All right, man, this is a big day. It's been it's, a little while. It has been. We've been yeah. getting called out for that. Oh. We're here. All right. Ask BRS TV. Yeah, I don't know. It's been a little while since we've been live, so uh, getting back into our rhythm here. I think that we are going to start back on Thursdays at noon again. Yeah, we used to do, um, we had the BRS 360, which, I mean, it's coming. It's coming, so hold on, hold on to that one. And then we did the live shortly thereafter. Uh, we're going to kind of vary it up with the lives. Maybe have some guests on, but uh, back to our roots, ask BRS TV. All right, so uh, for anybody who's following along, if you check in the, like the little community tab of YouTube, we asked a question, shows up in YouTube and you can answer or whatever. Yeah, it does. Uh, and over in hashtag TV in the Facebook group, we asked this question about fish food this week. Uh, and we're going to ask a, a question at the end of this one too, and you guys can go answer it uh, for next week. But uh, just looking for like elevation of conversation. This was a hot topic. Yeah. Uh, just tons of comments on, oh, I feed once and it works for me. Mm -hmm. I feed three times and it works for me. I feed all of that. I don't feed at all or I only feed pellets. And there's so many different uh, avenues and ways to approach it. And I don't think, uh, I don't think any of them are wrong. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about how you feed your fish, right? And we're going to hit it from a whole bunch of different angles, but mm -hmm. more importantly, we're going to talk about what a lot of you guys do or asked questions of, and we'll yeah. share some comments on that stuff uh, and uh, get through it. But uh, how we're going to start today, though, is uh, we're just going to ask uh, Randy yeah. and I three questions. Ask right? each other questions. How do you feed? How do you know that what you're doing is any good? Mm. And how often do you do it, right? Okay. So let's just start right off, man. How do you feed what your do I, tanks? What do I feed my tanks? Uh, okay, so historically, because we can all, I can talk about my tanks of the past, right now uh, I've got a couple up-and-coming tanks. Um, but before it was, what do I feed? Uh, the answer was, I, I, I didn't know. I'm in the hobby. I'm reading forums. Uh, who do I listen to on what foods are right? I go to my local fish store. They've got everything under the sun, fresh water, salt water. I mean, it's hard to figure out which one to feed. So then I go to my buddy who got me into the hobby and I, hey man, what do you feed? Oh, a mixture of this, a little bit of this, you know, so some brine shrimp, some mysis shrimp, uh, probably got some nori in there every once in a while and uh, maybe flavor it up with some Selcon every once in a while. Uh, so that's what I, that's what I fed, uh, whatever somebody else recommended to me. Probably sounds familiar to a lot of people, <laughs> right? All right, so for me, uh, I had uh, probably the you know, amongst the most success, just feeding frozen mysis in the beginning. Yeah. Right? Uh, it was probably within the first year, though, that I made the first batch of reef chili, which is like all the chopped up food and stuff. And this is just for myself, right? Yeah. I, it wasn't called reef chili at the time, just homemade fish food. Uh, but, you know, so that uh, real early on, that's just an extension of the hobby for me. Like, mm -hmm. I, like, I bet you they all benefit from this. I saw, I found some fun articles about it, and I just wanted to do it. Yeah. You know? uh, but, at other periods of time, totally different, like just sprinkling pellets in there, using an automatic fish feeder. And like I had to ask myself when we were talking about this question, we're like, why is it so different, you know, at different stages of the hobby for me? And oh, you would yeah. think you would have progressed to homemade food at the end instead of started, right? <laughs> uh, and this is what it is. It's all about where the tank is, actually. Because I want to be the best uh, mm. uh, like at nutrition for all my fish. I also like that extension of the hobby, you know, trying to do take care of the animals the best I can. At home, I can do that. Yeah. Right? At home, it's part of my hobby and everything. Here at work, all of you guys like actually depend on us to like shoot out eight million videos a week. And like <laughs> everybody's knocking on my door for everything all day long. I got time for that. So, you know, it's pellets, you know, and mm -hmm. so it's what you have time for to the best of your ability. But even within pellets, 
I do look for the best available pellet. I'm not just looking for the you know cheapest garbage. Yeah, I can find. it's like picking dog food, cat food. Uh, you look at the ingredients and in the pellets, like the like the TDO pellets and Chroma Boost type stuff that we use primarily. That Josh feeds the like this tank and the other tanks. Uh, high protein content, high fat content. Mm -hmm. uh, I would say that even for my other pets, you know, uh, like I had a, uh, for my cat, I had like a place called Woody's that was real close to my house. You can go get like, you know, raw chicken, mm -hmm. blend it up, just throw the whole chicken in there, blend it up, beak and all. Uh, but I, I liked it cooked because I didn't like the salmonella problems yeah. in my house. But I fed that because it was a mile away from my house. If I had to drive 45 minutes in traffic to get there, <laughs> I would probably dip, pick a different solution. Right. So it's the best available like within a budget time frame, right? And so that kind of fits all that stuff. So how do you know what is good? Uh, early on, I had no idea what was good. Uh, like before you and I, or before we started talking about the conversation of like your DIY foods and you and I built a recipe and then we, uh, I mean, there was, what was the conversation? What was the conversation around food like? Well, uh, is it frozen food and is it gut? Is it, you know, uh, gut loaded type frozen foods? Is that the best? Does that mean, is anything that says enriched the best? Like, I have no idea. Organic. Uh, yeah. Well, who or, knows? I still, <laughs> I still kind of don't know too, mm -hmm. other than uh, when we talk about like the protein and fat content and making energy or giving the feeding the, uh, the fish energy. Uh, then we can start to, you know, suss out some of those higher quality foods over yeah. others. So that's the thing: is how do I know any fish uh, food or any strategy is good? Well, there are some actual things like uh, survival really isn't a thing, but like if they're dying, for sure you know you're doing bad, <laughs> yeah. right? Uh, yeah, if they're sure. skinny, you know it's, it's bad. Uh, if uh, things just generally aren't going well, this is probably one of the cheap, you know, like you're losing fish or they look unhealthy, this is probably the cheapest way to like try to figure out, like it can improve the nutritional quality. Yeah. Outside of it, it's mentality. It's the same thing for like any of your pets, your human, like. Uh, well, like, humans especially, yeah. like I don't know if uh, buying the organic Brussels sprouts are any better than buying the regular bagged version, uh, but something about buying that organic brand and no pesticides and all these other stuff just feels right to me. I have friends, uh, and I've been this person at times, that lives off of McDonald's and party pizza, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, they survive, mm -hmm. right, for sure. But the guys that I know that cook their own meals for lunches, and they bring them in, they're never eating fast food, and mm. they're, like, they're all healthy, they look different. <laughs> uh, and noticeably to the eye, right? Like, not just look healthier, but energy, and yeah. excited, and tone, and like, mm. uh, Probably gonna live longer. Uh, not necessarily in all cases. Not diet, and not a hundred percent diet based either. No, no. no so. But it's kind of a lifestyle. mentality, lifestyle yeah. mentality. All right. So, how often do you feed them? Like, and then we're gonna get right into all your questions and stuff. Uh, you know, as a busy guy early on, I really only had time to. I'd get home in the evening. I'd skip them in the morning because uh, I'm out the door. I'm rushing. Uh, I'd get home in the evening and melt up kind of my frozen or melt up some frozen blend that I had going on and feed once a day. Every once in a while I'd probably, I'd, if I had time to, I'd throw a little something in the tank or maybe throw a cube uh, in the tank in the morning on the way out the door. But for the most part I was about once a day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so for me it's a similar thing. In the beginning it was like once a day, but also I was losing fish. Right, so I was losing antheas and stuff, mm -hmm. and you know the internet just tells you like, well, they just die. Yeah, hmm, not true. Uh, and I can't tell you for sure that uh, that diet, you know, will change that for you, but I can tell you that 
in the tanks that I've seen, the ones that I've maintained, uh, the ones that are maintained by the people I know, the people that have a really healthy feeding schedule lose less fish, especially the super high energy fish that people would say just die. I think there's a high likelihood of a causation between improper nutrition because mm. they don't just die. Like there wasn't like uh, poofed out of thin air, you're dead. Yeah. You know, there was a cause for this, right? Yeah. Uh, could have been disease, could have been whatever, but nutrition is like the number one thing to look at first. If you can take it out of the equation by feeding specific fish properly or whatever mm -hmm. we, whatever you think is properly, then uh, yeah, then it's one less thing to worry about, uh, whether it was disease related or something else. All right, so we're gonna start off, we got again a whole bunch of questions here uh, and comments and oh. just kind of mindsets. Uh, we're gonna start off with the first YouTube's. one. We got some YouTube ones and we're gonna go into some Facebook ones. So uh, hopefully some of you are actually watching. You can chime in and say, oh, yeah. cool, that was me. You guys might've saw your stuff. Uh, all right, so I'll let you hit Ryan here first. Oh yeah, first one. So we asked the question, you know, what is proper feeding? How much do you feed? You guys can go check out those questions on there. But uh, basically kind of what Ryan and I covered for ourselves. Ryan Snodgrass over on YouTube, he says, I, I think this is overlooked and people are pretty stubborn about the subject. If, if it ain't dying, don't fix it. Uh, that sentiment applies to people feeding a lot, feeding pellets only, starving fish, feeding protein only to a tang, etc. He says, uh, I think it would be a worthwhile topic that would challenge people's thinking and hopefully make what they do intentional. We have the option to stop going to McDonald's or to the vegan restaurant uh, as, as much, but our fish don't have that option. Yeah, I think this is, hits the heart of the whole concept, or mm. conversation today, right? It's pretty stubborn about the subject. If it ain't dying, don't fix it. If the standard is uh, that you kick the bucket uh, is the only way to measure health uh, and the quality of what we're doing, yeah. that's a really low bar. Really, low. I feel like at this point, we can raise the bar of what we're doing. Uh, you know, a lot of us are doing it for our dogs and our cats and other animals in our life. There's zero reason that we shouldn't be doing it for, you know, some of these fish that are arguably a lot much more rare than, uh, you know, a dog or a cat or whatever. Like, yeah. Let's treat them with the same respect that we treat other animals in our life and the pets that rely on us for their health. Mm. And it'll probably produce results. And like, I can tell you for sure, I had a cat that I fed, you know, whatever cheap fish or food in the beginning. And he lived for a while, like 12 <laughs> years or whatever. I've also had pets that lived 20 years, and I do believe the effort I put into it uh, produced a result. Mm -hmm. And they're also healthier along the way, I believe, as well. So uh, it's up to you, but you can follow along. But the big thing is, let's just take the ain't dying component out of it. Yeah, that's uh, true. Like, how do we evolve this if we want to? You mm -hmm. know, let's like uh, step up our game. So Matt from H from YouTube, does a varied diet contribute to longer life or better health? Uh, or is flakes or pellets good enough? Presuming they eat them, of course. Uh, how can one scientifically prove uh, better health for fish? Si you, here's the answer to that one. You can't. Yeah, you know how I know that? You won't ever be able to prove that definitively. Yeah. It's because they haven't proved it for humans, and there's billions or trillions of dollars going <laughs> into that. Like, everybody's got the new diet. Yeah, More oh, protein, yeah. less protein. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Like, no carbs, extra carbs. Uh, you know, who knows? It's different every week. Changes Eat. every week. Uh, yeah, yeah, every if month. If you're not eating kale, you're going to die in a week. You know? Uh, <laughs> so, it changes every week. So, I know for sure that it's because we haven't figured it out for us, trillions of dollars, that kind of resource isn't going to the fish. So, 
what you're going to have to do is just decide what you believe and do the things that you think that fit your uh, mantra. Think about the animals that you have in there because some of them are different. You just got a yellow tang in there, like it's maybe a lot easier than some sand sifting gobies or super active, high energy antheas or right. whatnot. Mm. So uh, the answer is if you're looking for scientific proof, you can stop watching uh, this video, <laughs> you can stop reading anything, and you can just give up because it doesn't there. exist. What you have to do is think of a mentality, think the piece, find the pieces of supporting evidence that you like, and build your own mentality about it. Yeah, if, if uh, best uh, doesn't exist, if we can't de to define what best is, and we know what below the, below the bar poor is, uh, then let's just find somewhere in between. Uh, yeah, uh, let's, let's find somewhere between like knowing for sure scientifically proved best and it didn't die. Yeah. <laughs> There's got to be a, 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 a healthy margin. Yeah, that's true. I'll let you do the next one. Uh, Edward Thayer from YouTube, he says, uh, he answers the question, it all depends on the fish, uh, on the fish's diets and requirements. Food should be changed up every other day and matched to whatever the fish eats in the wild. I believe doing that increases a fish's health just like diet affects ours. Of course. I mean, it's only natural for you to think that, uh, to want to replicate, mimic, you know, what the natural environment is. For some people, again, we, we liken uh, all of this to dogs and cats because uh, they're some of the most popular pets out there. But if there's those people that went on the, like, the raw food diet for their dogs and cats and uh, they found that, you know, one, it's super close to as close as you can get to what they would have in the natural wild, uh, you know, what they were uh, genetically raised to be or, or be on. Uh, and two, it's like the, what it produces in your, in your animal uh, is measurably, vis visibly measurably different than uh, what like dog food and stuff would be. So me, like if I see a tang that's an herbivore, like I'm, my, my inclination is to go find some algae that wherever they came from and try to mimic that exact same diet. Yeah, so that's the big thing here, man. If you're listening, if you ask the question, how often I feed, and, and the person on the other side didn't ask you what you kind of fish you had, stop listening to that person. Because yeah. their advice is of garbage. Mm. Like, they need, it's like asking, like, I have a pet, what should I feed it? <laughs> I was like, and if they tell you for sure and they know it, that's garbage, man. Like, that person isn't giving you help. So you got to think about what's in your tank. If you have fish that you know, if I go snorkeling and I see they're eating algae for a living all day long, right. I should consider this. If I'm thinking about antheas that eat tiny little things all day long, plankton or whatnot, I should know they don't have a digestive tract designed to eat a big old shrimp or whatnot, yeah. you know, or necessarily a pellet. So things like feeding them like colanus, like little bugs like mm -hmm. they normally eat. You know, I also, if I look at a fish uh, like a long-nosed hawkfish that just kind of sits there on the rock all day, it's not burning a lot of energy, right? Yeah. Just kind of waiting as a predator to you know, hit the thing that he wants to eat. Mm. However, if I got antheas that are just burning energy all day long and they're dying, or chromis that are dying, it's probably because I'm not feeding them enough. At least it's a component worth thinking about, you know? So, do some thoughts about it. I can tell yeah. you my favorite fish of all time is those little twin spot gobies, yeah. right? And when I take the time to go spray food into the sand in front of them and they eat it, they do really well. Mm. When I don't, they die, right? Yeah. To the point that I don't keep them anymore, even though they're my favorite fish. I know that I'm not it's willing a lot to of do effort. that for mm. years. I'm not going to do it for 20 years. I'll do it for three and then something comes up in life and then they die. Yeah. So I'm not going to do that anymore because I understood that I can't feed these things properly. My life work balance uh, just doesn't work that way. All right, so Jeff Hammer, 
When uh, I find when feeding, it is, uh, you, is the best time of day to interact with your fish, learn their personalities, you know, the best part. Oh yeah, I mean this leads, uh, this feeds right into what you were saying about the twin spots. Like, you get to interact with these fish every single day, you get to watch them eat. You feel pride when they're actually eating the food that you throw in, because they're a difficult species to, to feed. Mm -hmm. uh, food, same thing with like mandarin gobies or any of those, you know, the, any of those drag, dragonet type uh, fishes that actively are seeking out copepods and things. And for the people to find that if they feed them and they respond, the feeding response to that, I mean, big pride and joy that comes out of it's here. It's like, how you interact with yeah, the fish, right? I get in a, a tank. Yeah. And there was a guy, well, there was even somebody, and I don't know if we captured the comment here, but there was even somebody that said, uh, like, that was the favorite part for them, was uh, feeding the fish because he gets to watch them play. And usually when food time comes around, there's a couple things that happen. I walk up to the tank and it's a feeding response. They all gather around because they know that food is coming. Uh, so that's like saying hi. And then another one, this guy was saying that they play uh, duck, duck, goose uh, for you Minnesotans, duck, duck, gray duck. Uh, but they were just chasing each other around the tank. And that was just something you just like to enjoy. Yeah, so here's the thing. When I started this hobby, it was shame on you if you want to feed the fish, right? It yeah. was like, you're going to pollute your tank and your tank's going to oh, go to hell. Low nutrients, right? yeah. yeah. Uh, and reality, you know, that is not true anymore. we got so many ways to get nutrients out of the tank, that's just old news. So my favorite part of the day is definitely feeding them, watching, interacting with them. You know, they're excited to see you in the way that they can show it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> at least it feels that way. Yep. And uh, you know what? It's, it's super fun. In, in like feeding those twin spot gobies. I felt like I was achieving a level of success that other people weren't, and I definitely was proud of it. Mm. I'm just real now about my time level I can put into the tank. So, yeah, uh, like, yeah absolutely. So you can hit the next one. Uh, Insanity4224 on YouTube. He says, uh, they say, some fish prefer flakes over pellets. My Anthea spits out pellets but loves flakes, so food texture might be a consideration depending on the species. Mm -hmm. This one was uh, thought-provoking. Like, I wonder if uh, it's, bec it's because they were trained to eat like a pellet food instead of a flake or vice versa, uh, or if there's actually like the hard texture of a brand new pellet in the tank that hasn't been softened, just not palatable to them. I don't know. I, so here's the thing, is like what we kind of been told or like it feels like is I bought the thing, I might as well use it. Like he'll just figure it out. He'll like to eat it, I yeah. guess, you know. Well, if the fish doesn't like it, it's not palatable. Do I need to train them to eat something they just like hate? Like, because I wouldn't do that with my cat. You know, if my cat just wouldn't eat it, I just throw that bag of food away and go get a new one, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, and so in this case, my, I, I've never like really had success with flake food. I, it flows I down the overflow or whatever. I always yeah. use pellets, but I, reading this, a lot of people are using flakes. Um, but pellets just kind of sink better for me and they seem to be eaten better. But like if they don't like them, try a different pellet. Mm. But I've seen it in frozen food too. Even the stuff that I've chopped up myself, you know, I go chop up different types of fish and squid and whatever. And suck a piece yep. in and blow it back out and they don't want it. Some of them like, you know, something like halibut that just kind of shreds itself, it's all flaky. Some of them really like things like squid, which is very chunky mm. and hard, you know. Kind of depends on their mouth structure and how they're able to eat yeah. it. So like pay attention to how they're eating this stuff and give them what they want. You yeah, know, like most of this stuff is really, really cheap. So, you know, like, why They're, force them to Play eat around with it, find out what they like, throw the rest away. Yeah. So, <laughs> we got Mr. Nuked a Whales. Uh, you're asking the wrong questions. I think some fish, uh, fish don't eat dry food. Some only eat starfish. Some have to be three fed three times a day. Some don't. Some fish want a variety. Some don't care. So, to answer all your questions, 
It depends. Oh. I mean, that just kind of sums up everything we just said. Yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, pay attention. Don't listen to, again, if you ask anybody, how often should I feed my fish? And they just say two times a day, three times a day. And they didn't ask you what's in your tank. Their advice is of no value. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is one that you can't, you know, we try to pride ourselves in, find, in giving like a direct answer. To, so people ask the question. They just want to know the, the, the answer to it. Uh, and in this one, it's it really is what he says. Like it it just depends. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a tough one to prove, and you can't. Uh, that's probably going to be the reoccurring theme throughout today. Yeah. All right. So we're going to move on to Facebook here, I believe. Right. Yeah. Uh, all right. There we are. And uh, we'll answer some of your crazy questions up here too. So wait up, and we'll make sure to hit those as well. So I'll let you hit the first one. All right. So Facebook, Tim Foster uh, from the Aspirs TV group, Facebook group. If you're not a member, go join. Uh, but I've only been reefing for about 10 years, uh, but I've been keeping saltwater fish for over 40 years, and I've never fed more than once per day. All highly nutritious food uh, today has basically has the same uh, montage of ingredients. So is a variety really even necessary, he questions. Uh, I think WWC feeds many times a day because they are feeding their corals as well. I spot feed my corals separately with Reefroids, Chili, or Frenzy. Whichever larger food falls to them during the fish feeding is also a plus. But in my opinion, feeding multiple times a day is just a waste of money and added nutrients. Okay, so there's a couple of things in here. A, <laughs> WWC tells, just feeds the hell out of these tanks like, That's by true. the hour almost. Yeah. Uh, is it really actually by the hour? Like, there's a timer. No, it is on the hour with a yeah. timer. Yep. Yeah, and so it is because also they don't have to worry about nutrients because the corals are sucking up all of it. We have the same problem here. Like, you, know, you can't feed enough. It doesn't really matter. Mm. Uh, so nutrients are like not an issue anymore with the type of success people are having. Mm -hmm. But the thing here that like, I, I think there's a couple of things, man. So first, uh, Tim Foster, is that he's been in taking saltwater fish for 40 years. 40 years. Yeah, so this is uh, more than twice as long as I've been around the hobby, man. So, Tim, thank you very much because it's the people that have been around a long time, man, that share a lot of their uh, information that I, I value a lot. Uh, and, you know, there's just no way around it. Like, you could be successful this way. And his, I, I put his in here first because there was a lot, a lot of answers uh, in there that were like the same thing. I haven't put a lot of thought into it, and I've just been just fine, mm -hmm. right? Uh, the one thing I will say in here, actually, that I found out, like, in the most recent years, is it uh, says in here that they have a montage of the same basic ingredients. And that one I don't think is true. If you go look at a lot of the, you know, like, ingredients in the fish food, like some of like, papaya and, like, all kinds yeah. of weird stuff in there, that's not true. And some of them start with, a, you know, like, the you filler know, corn type, yeah. and whatever. Mm -hmm. Corn is like the cheapest way to get energy and fat into a product, right? And so like if you go look at cat food and you go look at the cat food that's $2.99, it's wheat, soybean, corn, whatever, right? It's the cheapest way to get filler and energy into a product. Mm. If you want to get protein into there, chicken, byproduct of chicken, chicken liver, chicken guts, chicken whatever, right? Yeah. Uh, and so it's totally the same thing here. So look at the back of your packaging a, read the ingredients that are in it, because they're not all the same. And then B, look at the protein and fat content. Protein being how they're going to build their own tissue. Fat being how they're going to have energy to uh, support metabolic function. Yeah, this is, uh, I mean, this is one where, when we, if you go back and look at our DIY recipe or, or a couple different fish foods, uh, fish food topics that we did, uh, this is one where we, we mentioned in those videos, like, you know, f using what, like, 
fish breeders do, uh, uh, or that those, if you, especially in, in dry. Dry, it's pretty easy to see. I mean, you can see protein and fat content in some of your frozen stuff, but specifically in dry, like uh, reef nutrition, TDO stuff, uh, super high protein content, super high fat content, uh, and used in a variety of different sizes. Again, we go back to the size of the fish's mouth and kind of varying your food based off of their mouth size too. Uh, but they have all of those different types of options not a, the same myriad of foods. Yeah, so even if you're only gonna feed once a day and you're gonna use pellets because it's just convenient, you can choose a better pellet. Right? Oh yeah, for and, sure. Yeah, and like there's probably a cost associated to it. There's probably a difference between five bucks and 10 bucks. You yeah. know, like it's not like, oh man, we are trying to twist, like some of these cat foods <laughs> are like $30 a bag. Yeah, you know? not life-changing uh, decisions. Yeah. yeah, $30 a bag that I'm changing out every two weeks, okay. But if it's five bucks or 10 bucks and it lasts me two months, I just like it's not relevant. No. I'd rather use the right option, and definitely if it's going to save a fish, you know, because a fish costs way more than that. Oh yeah, for yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, so. All right, so All I right. got uh, Jay Mel here. Yeah, I absolutely love uh, feeding. Uh, feeding better means longer, healthier life as long as the aquarium's appropriately sized. Mm. I feed a mixture of frozen and six types of dry foods in rotation, just hoping that I can get them what they need. I also feed as many times as day, a day as I'm possible. Uh, four to five smaller feedings is better. One big one just for the happiness of the fish alone before <laughs> health is even brought into the equation. So, Jay, totally other end of the spectrum. Yeah. Right? Like, I'm feeding four or five times a day, kind of like WWC. I'm feeding a whole mix of different things. Sometimes it's probably spot on for some fish, sometimes not. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I could see this one, too. Uh, you know, especially what Tim said, uh, and kind of relating to, to Jay, too. You look at a tank like this, you look at, like, WWC's tanks, and... Uh, yes, I'm feeding like for the entire tank. So maybe my corals can't take up a whole mysis shrimp, or maybe they can't take up a, a, a pellet food with all of the packed in protein and uh, protein and fat in there. But I can utilize my fish to digest the food into a form that the corals can eat. So I can easily see why four or five times a day, especially on like a robust tank like this, uh, is more more good than harm. If you don't have super uh, awesome filtration and a ton of coral, uh, uh, you may want to consider four or five times a day. Uh, why, <laughs> so here's the thing. And people ask like uh, what the night right like uh, amount of food is. Well, yeah. pay attention to your nitrate level. Like, you know, you don't have to test it all the time, but like test it once a month. If the levels are rising, you're either feeding too much or not a good uh, enough export. Yeah, so yeah. not enough good export, yeah. yeah. So pick which one of those things and fit within that. You know, so just don't like dump food in and ignore the pollution of the tank. But if you're not really polluting the tank, it's not really an issue either. Mm -hmm. All right, let's get the next one. Uh, Brian Heinbach from Facebook says, the amount I feed the fish depends on how much coral I have. Just what we were talking about. Uh, I'm not afraid to offer a nice buffet if there's enough coral and microorganisms to consume it and keep the tank clean. Yeah, I won't belabor on this one again. Absolutely, we're just what we hit on. But yeah. Yeah. You got tons of coral. It t takes up all the nitrogen and phosphorus. You really don't have to worry about a whole lot. Biomass. So next one. Shaozhen uh, Zhang, I believe, uh, he says, I think, I think you'd need to be on uh, to be the. Oh, let's see. Let's start. This was a good long one. He has a good. It's a good point here. I think you'd need to be first. You first need to define what healthy fish or health means for fish, especially to uh, what you would extend to uh, start, especially when you start talking about uh, fish obesity. 
there's definitely a thing in some well, which might definitely be a thing in some well-fed tanks. Without that, the only criteria we have are super skinny fish, which is very easy to get over just by feeding daily. Another part to study on is nutrient imbalance. For example, in reptile keeping community, it's identified that, it's identified that the imbalance of nutrition is a real problem resulting from feeding only one or two types of insects regularly. This is, uh, because of this, they developed all kinds of dusting products to enrich the feeder insects. He said, I'm not aware of similar research in the ornamental reef fish. Uh, food fish might have more research on, but in the other hand, it's a lot easier to feed our fish some more variety of food than breeding types of insects for reptiles. So why not just do this as a precaution? Yeah, so I think there's actually another uh, Oh, yeah. Lastly, if we're looking at the ultimate fish health, I think the general standard for a thriving fish is breeding. So guidelines on how they condition brood stocks will be the best standard. I think you might be able to ask Biota or ORA about that. So this sparked a conversation between us. Yeah, so in lizards and whatnot, <laughs> like they were feeding crickets or whatever, and they totally identified there's a nutritional imbalance here, and they put all the dust on top of mm -hmm. them to try to get the vitamins yep. and minerals in there. Uh, how much different that is in our fish and feeding just a freshwater shrimp like mysis every day? Mm. Mm. Not that I mean, very same because the the just a piece of mysis or brine shrimp is mostly water weight and not high in protein, not very it's, much at all. It's higher in protein than like brine shrimp and stuff. Right, right, but right. It's pretty plain. So here's the thing is like, it lulls us into complacency because it isn't the kind of thing like I'm gonna feed the mysis and they're gonna jump out of the fish and die, you mm -hmm. know, or tank and die. Like, that's not gonna happen. It's gonna just be like, I'm gonna get half the life out of my fish that I would have, mm. right? That, yeah. and like, you, you, by nine years, you're, if I've been feeding this for nine years, I'm gonna claim success, Yeah. right? Uh, but you, so, you could have done 20. Yeah, and so like, again, man, you're just gonna have a belief structure here attached to it. Like, well, you know, just that one thing, man, I don't know, I'm, am I ending up in the same thing? Because it's the same thing with humans. Like if I, you put me on a boat, and don't give me any vitamin C, I'm getting scurvy, guys. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, like all kinds of things. You stop giving me vitamin K, my eyesight's gonna go, yeah. right? Uh, stop giving me vitamin D and all of a sudden my bones and joints go. You know, I'm more complex organism, but not tremendously so than a fish. And fish require the same kinds of things and just the mysis may not do that, mm. right? So, uh, you know, and, and you can just say, I don't believe it, all they need is mysis. You know, well, maybe you're right, maybe you're wrong. You yeah. know, I pick the mentality, and especially in this case, because it's so inexpensive to, to pick a different mentality, why not make an attempt why to be not, better? Yeah, why not try it out? Uh, he also brings up the point of, uh, of the breeding thing, too. So we were talking about, uh, you know, is a sign of proper nutrition uh, active breeding in the tank, reproduction in the tank? So they've got enough food to to live, thrive, mm -hmm. swim, uh, and now they've got enough food to, they, they want to sustain their life and extend their life by generations of more fish breeding. Generally kind of goes in this way, and like not in all cases, but like metabolic health, yeah. use energy for that, then use uh, energy and protein for growth, and then, man, if everything's going well, use energy and protein for uh, re reproduction. Yeah. Right? Now some things may be like spurred reproduction by actually bad environments, but yeah. uh, not all. Uh, so yeah, if you're, 
if your fish are so healthy that they're actually breeding other fish, you're probably doing something right. So that could be you selected the right food. It could also be that uh, you're feeding a lot, yeah. uh, the requirements. I can tell you for sure with the clownfish, they breed much faster when they're like heavily fed. Yeah. You know, they also grow to that point at which they breathe way, way, way faster. Yeah. So that's another thing. If you actually want to grow your fish to like a bigger size, you know, people comment on the size of the blachianthias in here all the time, man, and it's because they feed the hell out of them. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, so I don't know. Awesome. All right, next one here. Uh, Wendy Sorellis, I love feeding my fish. I spoil my tank worse than my dog. <laughs> uh, I like a varied diet for them. I have two main pellets I feed, one herbivore, one omnivore, one and get nori and fresh macro. I have four to five coral powder foods. My freezer has a shelf dedicated to different fish food and coral food. I also have aminos and Celcon drops that I soak the food in. Uh, I figure if I'm not in the mood for tacos every night that uh, they don't want the same uh, meal <laughs> every night either. JK, I could use tacos every night. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Uh, so clearly Wendy has taken a different approach to this. Yeah, right? like, I wanna... spoil the hell out of it. And you see people do it with their dogs oh, yeah. all the time. Oh, yeah. You know, dogs and even cats. You know, like you know, like I want to spoil this animal. It's mm. part of the fun of owning it, really, and having mm. it part of our family. So I want to spoil my fish. Yeah, I mean, and most fish will, regardless of what time when you come to the tank, will have a feeding response. So it almost feels like you're actually doing, uh, like, oh, they're hungry. They they want to eat right now. Oh, look, they're eating again. So that must mean they're hungry. Uh, and so it, it's easy to spoil them because they're always on. Uh, eating whatever you put in the tank. but So this one is actually interesting to me too. Uh, this is something I think a lot of people overlook, right? Mm. So like pellet food is super nutrient dense, yeah. right? Like it doesn't have any of the water in it. So like a mysis shrimp is mostly water, right? right? Uh, and one of the things you could do actually to make it even more nutrient dense and easy to uh, digest to is things like Celcon and amino acids. like. Mm -hmm. it will actually just soak that stuff right up. And so when it's eating it, you know, primary things are energy is fat, which is a cell con, and uh, amino acids, which are components to build protein. Mm -hmm. I let it suck that stuff right up. And now I can take that pellet and just make it super, super nutritionally dense, you know, and increase the likelihood that it's actually being consumed at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, so that's awesome. Uh, Matthew Leonard from Facebook says, plenty of people feed once a day and have great success. I prefer multiple times a day. I use two AFS, so automatic feeding system modules, and to feed flakes and pellets three times a day. In addition to this, I feed a frozen cube once every, uh, once or twice a week. And then of course, nori sheet, uh, nori sheet a few times a week. This method, method has already resulted in fat, happy fish for me. So first off, I really like the fact that uh, Matthew acknowledges all the people out there that only feed once a day and have success, right? Yeah. Just choosing a different belief structure. So right. I don't know. Uh, and I, I mean, I guess it, it's probably super apparent that like uh, Randy and I are kind of on a different belief structure. Like there's value in thinking about it at least. Oh yeah, right? for sure. You know, so like I'm not like the- It's gonna fundamentally change what I do. Nah, no, but I'll consider it now. Yeah. But even in our heads, it, it ain't dying, ain't good enough. No, that's for, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think everybody can agree to that. Yeah, well, even the, even when, like, I'm sure some of you out there are like, oops, I had that mentality. I just didn't know any better, you well, know? It's tough, too, when, you, when, when there's not really much information on uh, what we should expect for life expectancy for, you know, so a lot of these different types of fish. 
And if you if I don't know that like a clownfish is supposed to last is supposed to last like twenty maybe twenty plus years, then if I have a clownfish that lives for ten, I feel like I did something right. If I have a clownfish that lives for more than, you know, if I see my friends, uh, oh, I had him for about a year, or I had this fish for about a year, and that seems to be like the going rate for some fish, uh, then if I make it there, I feel like I've been successful. But I don't, what I don't know is that I probably could have went, you know, 10, 15, 20 plus years uh, if I had thought about uh, a little harder about nutrition. So I think a lot of people, and I, I, I hate to say this, but like a lot of people have thought about fish like disposable pets in the past, you know? Uh, yeah, uh, that's true. And, and you're like, oh, I lost fish so much. So There's a little more abundance of some of them. But. <laughs> it would seem like it, or I don't know, it's not the same thing as finding a you know dead puppy in your living room, man. Like, it just isn't. <laughs> oh, but no. like, it should be. You know, I mean, it should have a similar standard to it, or at least closer. Like so, put you know, put some effort into it and care. I got a clownfish here too that's 15 years old. You know, been mm -hmm. here almost since I said started my first tank, right? And like, it's really you can take a lot of pride in the fact that you took care of the animal that way. Yeah. You know, and like, it's not so much shaming you, you failed, but you can take pride in the successes, which is a totally different feeling. Mm. All right. So another one here, David. Uh, David uh, uh, Provast. Uh, size matters if we're talking fish. Larger fish eat once a day in larger quantity. Hmm. Smaller fish eat less but more times a day. Smaller fish generally graze constantly throughout the day uh, anyways to keep up with the metabolic rate in small stomachs. Their heart rates are typically very fast and they burn calories quickly. Carnivores and predators uh, are once a day or even every other day with whole raw diets. If you can, pellets work too, but they swell a bit and can cause some bloating in larger amounts. I, again, man, just hitting it. And those statements are like, I would say those statements are 80% true. Yeah. So like it doesn't apply to every last fish out there, but a lot of fish that are big have larger stomachs and can go through different periods of time without meals Probably, uh, yeah. than things that are designed and you watch them in wild eating all day long. That's what they do. Yeah, I think, uh, and I'm not sure, uh, but you know, logically my mind goes to maybe the, the scarcity of their food. So mm -hmm. small, typically a lot smaller types of foods, a lot more abundant. Uh, large fish with, uh, who have large appetites for larger foods, less abundant. Uh, so maybe there's something to play in, there's something to say about that too, but. Capturing prey? Is a lot more work, uh, and oh, often and done. Yeah. yeah, and often done by sitting and waiting. And so, when you do capture it, you need abundance of food, mm. right? Uh, then eating plucking algae off that seems to be in abundance in many cases, right? right? Yeah. So different things. Hmm. All right, got another one here uh, from Robert <laughs> Farnsworth. Uh, Some of you guys know him. Yeah, so he's in the group. <laughs> uh, feeding uh, is uh, one time to. Uh, we get to connect with our fish. I think most hobbyists really cherish that time. It isn't limited to the tank owners either. My kids love to feed the fish. My girlfriend loves to do it. And of course, I enjoy it too. Great topic most hobbyists can relate to. And I really look forward to watching. So I, I agree. Like One of the things I'm most excited about right now as I set up this tank is the idea of my kids feeding the fish yeah. and really engaging with them and how much fun. I bring my kids through here uh, every like few weeks or so. Uh, we come in the weekends and stuff and we get to walk through and nobody here knows it, but uh, we feed <laughs> Feeding all of the, the tanks. tanks. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, my kids just love it, man. And so, you know, Robert, uh, thank you for sharing that because it's so insightful. 
Uh, so Robert's uh, one true. of the moderators uh, there, also part of the BRS team uh, and been part of the hobby forever. So uh, I don't know. Thank you, man. Cool. Next one. Uh, Pantsthorpe Frostly says, uh, here's a, oh, uh, well, let me just skip over that one. We'll go back to Brandon. Oh. Uh, how do you not overfeed with frozen food when you have a tank in its infancy? So that's a good question. So I basically, uh, if, I'm, if I have a cube of fish or a cube of food and I've got this, you know, 10 gallon nano tank that's brand new and maybe has one little tiny clownfish in there. Like, what do I, how do I not overfeed this, this tank? And portion control is one, one way. Um, and, I, and I think you brought this one up to make the argument about how nutrient dense frozen food is. Uh, or, or pellets are rather. Yeah. Yeah. So here's the thing. The answer. Somebody answered uh, uh, them, and that was just like chop the pellets in half. I think you can also get, uh, or not pellets, chop the uh, frozen, frozen cubes fruit. in half. Yeah. You can also get the sheets, and like what I used to do is take the sheets and use a knife and cut them into the sizes that I want, yep. and then get like a couple weeks worth of those little bits and use that. But one of the things, like, it, it isn't really apparent until somebody tells you this, uh, but like. You know, you think of a cube of food and it looks like a lot of food. And, oh, compared to yeah. a little pellet? Yeah. yeah, if I had all a cube of full of pellets and I put it in there, it would like pollute the tank for right. sure. So it's the pellets are so nutrient dense, such high fat and uh, uh, protein content in it, percentage-wise. The, like, the uh, cube is like almost all water. Yeah. Like it, a tiny fraction of the protein in yeah. there. So, it's actually really hard to overfeed frozen. That's one of the reasons I actually recommend frozen to most new reefers. It's because it's hard to mess up. Mm. It's super easy to mess up pellets and feed too many pellets. Uh, also, especially if you have an auto feeder in the beginning and you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. uh, but cubes of frozen food, like cubes of mysis, it's actually really hard to like mm. catastrophically overfeed. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that's one of the things you can think about when you're feeding here. Uh, all right. Uh, so this was an interesting one from Brandon Ellis. Uh, I'm currently only keeping utilitarian fish, so my current feeding method is sparse and sporadic. Oh. Uh, if I start feeding more on a regular schedule, the grazers will stop working. Yeah, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, so we choose utilitarian fish for a purpose. They're fish with a, with a purpose in that they're going to help keep my tank clean and keep the uh, ugly brown phase and you know future algae and stuff off of my surfaces. It's gonna just help, you know, it's part of the maintenance rhythm of the tank. Choosing fish that, uh, that help keep that stuff at bay. Now if I'm always offering them nori like 24 hours a day or I'm feeding super heavily and now they start to look away from the rocks and towards the sheet of nori that they have hanging there and now my rocks start growing. It's true. <laughs> uh, so even to the point where I'll tell you the opposite, it's mm. like, wow, how come my filefish isn't eating Aptasia? Because he's eating pellets Starving. and frozen food. Yeah, stop feeding man, for a little while until you see him eat the thing that you want him to eat. And like, yeah, everybody's gonna go hungry for a little bit, but a tank that you tear down because it's covered in Aptasia is actually worse, mm. right? Uh, so like there's a truth in that. There's a lot of things where like I want my utilitarian fish to uh, go after something and it doesn't. It's because he's being so well fed. But so like in this case, he's actually keeping the feeding down so that he keeps all the algae at bay. But you know what? Like, I guess there's a, like some balance in that one, but it, it is pretty interesting that you would go 
both ways in that conversation. Yeah, it's like you, there's a probably a fine balance of like starving them to get the desired result out of them. Where okay, so my file fish, maybe if he was already eating Aptasia to begin with and came off of Aptasia because he's getting fed so heavily, but now he's not really eating it. So it's already kind of part of his you know routine or part of he's already you know trained to eat those. He knows that's a food source. I'm if I if I have one if I have a file fish that's never eaten Aptasia, never pointed its nose at it, and I want him to eat Aptasia, and so I just stop feeding him, it might not turn out so well. I don't know. I'm gonna go the other direction on this too, actually. Okay. So a lot of people are like, "Well, can I have a flame angel? Can I have like all these fish that are like, you know, kind of known for bothering things and kind of not? Nobody really knows why. Some of them like will eat your corals and some of them won't. Oh right? yeah, yeah. Okay." It's not universally true, but it is certainly partially true that if you keep him well fed, they will not go looking for alternative food sources, right? <laughs> if you starve them, they will be forced to go looking for alternative food sources. Those are my LPS. You are training them to eat your corals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? All the nipping that, that nubs on my EFLO, yeah. That doesn't mean that feeding him well will prevent it for sure but feeding them poorly will create that scenario for sure, right? <laughs> uh, so just something to think about if you're gonna try some challenging fish uh, to think about that way. All right, so we're gonna get to the questions that you guys gave here. Yeah, we got one more here. So the last one we pulled from Facebook and thanks for everybody and thanks to everybody for uh, at the end of this, before we leave today, we're gonna give you next week's question. So stay tuned for that one. Uh, but Kyle Rinker, uh, he said, I've been feeding three times daily and a different food at each feeding, but today I finally made my first batch of DIY frozen food, and there's quite a variety of things in my frozen mix, so I feel that although I am feeding the same thing each time, there's still a lot of variety in there. All right, so I agree with all that stuff, and I'm just going to tell people, go watch the uh, episode we did on making DIY food. It's it called like DIY Reef Chili or something, yep. and there's two of them in there. One's for like corals, and I'll just be frank, it's kind of expensive because you know, buy all this stuff and dump it in there. But for fish, man, it's actually super cheap. Mm. Like it's cheaper than whatever you're buying now, yeah. right? And more fun. <laughs> and I think better too. Yeah. Uh, at least I believe better. You get a cleaver, some seafood, you get to run it in a blender, and yeah. I can't wait to do this with my kids, <laughs> right? And so that's the thing is I will tell you here uh, at home, for sure, we're gonna make our own food at home, right? And it may incorporate some things that, uh, like uh, different things that are sold in the aquarium industry, mm -hmm. but most of it, I'm probably gonna get from Costco, yeah. you know, uh, or the grocery store. I like Costco a lot, but yeah. you know, like I, I'm gonna get cheap sources of protein and fat and cut them up and make fun. It's gonna be a super fun project for me and my son to do, and in a few years, uh, my daughter as well. Yeah. Right? I just that's the way I'm gonna roll. So this is a, a go check it out. It's like DIY reef chili. You can read mm -hmm. it. And there's different stages. Like we're like, here's for fish. Here's kind of for coral and whatever. You can just yeah. stop adding stuff in at some point. Yeah. Uh, right. So we got a few minutes left and a whole bunch of comments here. So All right. uh, let's get through a few up. of them. Uh, Carrie Mabus has a question. She says, uh, should you use tank water or fresh water when thawing frozen food? Well, I mean, I'll, let you, I'll answer. But so the, here's the way I do it, tank water. Mm -hmm. I've, I've taken uh, my, my turkey baster that I feed with, grab a squirt of water, and put it in a little cup with my frozen cubes, and then just set it there. Or just scoop some water out, throw my cubes in there, and let it set and defrost. And then I dump it back in. So I already know it came from the tank, it's going back in the tank. 
I agree. I do. I, there's something to be said for the fact that if you did fresh water, I guess it wouldn't have as much salt in it, which is actually good because the fish actually have to get rid of the salt. Mm. Uh, but, I mean, good is like picking hairs here, yeah. or splitting hairs rather. Uh, but one of the things I'll say is, uh, if you asked me 15 years ago, I'd say like rinse it and don't put that cloudy water in your tank from the defrost. Now I say free aminos. <laughs> yeah, you know, like I, I don't know. As long as you're not getting nutrient buildup in your tank, right? If you're getting tons of, but I've actually read a lot of studies that show that there's so much more like nitrogen and phosphorus in the fish food than in the little bit of water from the melt off. Uh, it's it's just not relevant, yeah. right? Uh, it's not worth the effort, I guess, or well, juice worth the squeeze. You bring up another point, too, about rinsing, like, the frozen food. So I was always, I've read a hundred different ways and always told, take all of your frozen food, put it in a fishnet, run water, RODI water through it, and then give it a good rinse, then put it back in RODI water, refreeze and make your own cubes or a flat chunk, and, and then feed. Because uh, I would need to rinse all that stuff off. That's a lot of work. That's a, it was a lot of work. Okay, also, uh, one of the things that's probably not super well known is a lot of those foods are not designed to be thawed yes. and then refrozen. Mm. It breaks them all up. And so your little whole pieces of mysis are now just shredded just, to bits. Mm, yeah, right? muck that they can't even eat. That's one of the reasons I don't actually use mysis a lot in some of the like DIY foods mm. that I make now is because you have to really kind of catch it at that perfect point between where it's thawing, otherwise it kind of shreds up when you're doing it. One of the things though you could do is kind of like make a sandwich out of it. So if you really like mysis a lot, you can make your own DIY food and then kind of freeze it in a layer on the top of a sheet of mysis and then cut it into cubes and you have like little sandwiches. Oh yeah. You know, so you can make up different ways, but thawing stuff uh, tends to have a bad thing. That's one of the reasons actually why we use when we do the DIY food, we use it like a cheese grater attachment on a food processor and yeah. do frozen yeah. and keep it frozen so it shoots out in little bits. So it doesn't turn into mush. Yeah, it just deteriorates after that. Cold surface, all right. Uh, let's see, Keto Reefer says, I would love to know if there is a real difference in feeding flakes or pe pellets versus frozen and the effects uh, it has on nutrient exchange. I know guys who literally only feed flakes. So flakes and pellets to me, uh, you're just gonna go look at the ingredient list and you're gonna look at the protein and fat content. You should do that. Any food that you pick, you should just take the three seconds to go look and say, ah, the versus whatever you're using now, does this have more or less uh, protein in it or the one that you're considering? Mm. And just for your reference point, it's the Reef, uh, uh, reef Nutrition Chroma Boost pellets would be the one that I would use as a pellet yeah. personally. Flake versus uh, uh, pellet, it's just what your fish like mm. and, and how much of it goes down the overflow and you know, does it sink the way that you like and all that kind of stuff. No difference other than that. I think that would be the only determining factor for me on choosing, like if I was going to choose a flake uh, over pellets is uh, the suspension in the water. So if my pellet, if I'm choosing pellets, it just goes straight to the bottom and the fish only get a split second to try to get it and they're not really good at picking off the bottom, uh, then I'm gonna try to find either a pellet that floats a little longer, maybe a smaller pellet that is a little more buoyant, or a flake food that just drifts around in the water and always easy to grab. So if you guys are wondering just kind of like what's more popular out there, uh, flake food tends to be really popular in freshwater. It's and true. maybe that's why I kind of gravitated over here too. But I will tell you, we continually dump flake off of our website because nobody buys it. Yeah. Right? And so uh, if you're asking what people are using, 
almost everybody in reefing is using pellets. pellets. And frozen. Uh, and I'll just tell you that because I can see what they're actually buying. And the reason that we're getting rid of it isn't just because it's like irrelevant, it's because it expires. Like, oh, nobody has bought this box in the last three years. It's time to go. It's got to right? go. Yeah. Like, we're not going to sell this stuff. So, yeah. and we're not going to replace it, obviously. So, uh, pellets are definitely the most popular. But if your fish happen to like flakes, there's like they're the equal thing is just about palatability. Mm. All right. Uh, the, I, I did want to bring this one up today, and hopefully we can get to uh, a good discussion on it. Nick Spatulos uh, said, hey, guys, where do we stand on garlic? Useful or not? Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to say not useful. Uh, I, I, don't see, uh, I don't see the nutrition benefit difference if we fed garlic versus non-feeding garlic. And I mean, there's feeding response and these so-called, you know, ick cures and things like that all surrounded around garlic. And I don't know how garlic got in the, in the conversation to begin with, but from a nutrition standpoint and success I've seen, you know, not ever having garlic in the mix, uh, I just don't see a need for it. All right. So I'm going to be brave here. Okay. Right. Are you guys ready? Uh, <laughs> you waited so, all the re- all this whole hour just uh, to hear this. This, this is, is it. This is like garbage. <laughs> okay. Just just total garbage, man. Uh-huh. Uh, and I will, I will give it one thing that it does. Okay. Right? And so this is just a belief structure. You'll never get a satisfying answer to this. Like somebody can prove it definitively one way or another. And there's all kinds of anecdotal evidence one way or the other. Garbage. Mm. So you're just going to pick up your own belief. My own belief is the people that I trust, uh, being all of the articles I read by marine biologists and scientists and not like somebody who used it once and said it miraculously cured my fish or right, something right, right. like that. Because there is that guy, that, and, and it, you might be one of them one day. Like I use this and the fish peered up, but there's also a thousand fish that didn't. So to you it feels that way, but it may not actually just be made, you know, dumb luck, mm-hmm. right? So most of all the marine biologists out there will just tell you that uh, they think it doesn't do anything in terms of fish health. In fact, there's a bunch of articles out there that it may actually attack and damage their organs uh, mm. and not be healthy. Garlic is definitely not a uh, marine type food that anybody would, uh, you know, would naturally encounter. Yeah, doesn't mean that it's bad, but like it's definitely not a requirement for their health. Uh, I think there's way more evidence out there that it does nothing, maybe harms, than there is a, a benefit. Other than this one thing, it is definitely a component of getting some fish that don't like to eat to eat. Hey, bass, bass will, will take it all day long. Yeah. I mean, it, so as an, as an attractant and probably because of like the, the hardcore smell that comes off of it or the scent uh, off of it. And, and from a bass fishing angle, it, it works. I mean, it's been proven out in like the fishing universe and stuff like that. Uh, but I, I liken it back to if it's not something like in their natural environment, which I'm trying to replicate in all aspects of what I have going on in my tank, uh, then I just don't see a need to put it in, the, in my tank. So there's a few things here. So like every sick organism has a like less than great appetite, right? And that's part of the problem of like deteriorating health, right? Yeah. So like my kid, he's sick. Doesn't uh, want to eat. I have to entice him with a popsicle, right? Like just <laughs> yeah. to get like water, get hydrate. Yeah, right? true. You know, true. he doesn't want, doesn't want to do it. Like, he had his tonsils out. I can't tell you how hard it was to get him to drink something, man. Mm. The, the, you had to like entice him with something that made mm. him want to do that. You know, you talk about bass fishing. Like, 
dude, they don't like usually swallow it up like, oh, that looks good. Like some kind of twitch or trigger causes yeah. them to like attack it, like in you know part of their DNA, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, or instinct rather. So the same thing here. Like they may not be feeling good or sick, and they don't understand that food's going to help them get across the line. You know. Yeah. You have to like make it so enticing. So, in that case, I do not think it's going to uh, help their immune system per se. But if the fish refuses to eat, that little bottle of garlic juice costs so much less than the fish, it is worth a try, right? And I don't think that in that short-term use, you're gonna hurt its organs or anything mm. crazy like that. But long-term use, I don't see any reason to put it in there. I think it's very gimmicky, and I was brave enough to just go out and say that. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Nick, for bringing it up. probably 50 people out there yeah. that I hate Ryan now. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know, I, I just wouldn't do it. All right, uh, a few more minutes here. Got a few more questions. Right, so we got a really big question that's coming up at the end of this, so stick with us for two more questions, I'll tell you. Oh, yeah. Uh, so uh, Mark says, is the BRS edition of the Apex a one-time thing, or will it be back? Oh, not fish-related. Oh, so I'll tell you the answer to that question, though. Yeah. Uh, it uh, was a one-time thing. If it comes back, uh, it was just a fun thing that we wanted to do and see if people liked it. They're going to review you know, whether or not, uh, like, you know, you guys liked it, but you know, do you want them to change them from float switches to optical mm -hmm. eyes? Or who knows, right? Uh, they're just kind of getting like a pulse on the whole thing. And if they bring it back, uh, I'm pretty certain it won't be unique to BRS because yep. all the other fish stores and uh, online suppliers would uh, burn them down. <laughs> uh, so, and that's cool. Like, I, I don't, I don't mind. Uh, like, I, it's fun for everybody. We bring yeah. the things in. So, if you see it back, it'll probably be a system-wide launch. I, I don't know whether or not they're going to do it. I hope so, obviously, because I think it's a really cool way to like instantly know if anything goes wrong with your tank. 80% of the time you're either at home or work or sleeping or whatever. And I just need notification. I don't need to have a series of things go on. I just need yeah. to know about it. And if I do, my tank will be successful longer. Everyone agrees with that fact. Like, I, don't, I bet you there's a single person out there that says, no, I don't care when the, like my chemistry fails. I don't care when my tank's flooding. I, I, nobody needs to tell me that stuff. Yeah. No, you do. That's, that's how you're going to get to five and ten years is know when problems actually happen when they happen. Hmm. So uh, that's one. Another yeah. one. Two more questions left here before we ask next week's questions, so stay tuned for that. But uh, can you talk about auto feeders? Mm -hmm. I'm at work most of the day but would like to feed a few times a day. So this was something that popped up uh, heavily in the uh, ultra-low maintenance mm -hmm. system. So ultra-low maintenance, meaning my hands, uh, as much as like, you know, a couple hours or less a month of maintenance. And in that, uh, feeding was, was a part of that, in which case we had antheas in there. We have these high-energy, multi, uh, most people feed more than one time in a single day. Uh, so in comes the fish feeder to feed three times a day when we're not home and then uh, when we are home, a little bit of frozen. I'm going to give you a real specific advice, right? Uh, if you buy an auto feeder, buy a nitrate test kit, mm. right? Buy a Hannah Checker phosphate meter because they're super convenient. They're just abused terribly by a vast majority of people that use them, right? Because it's so easy now. I'll just like turn it on and it'll just like feed five times a day. Yeah. And like, oh, more looks like better, right? And I just listen to these guys talk about nutrition, more nutrition must be better, right? 
but they made it too easy because even if you say you feed five times a day by hand, the reality is is like on Sunday you do, but on Tuesday you do it twice, yeah. right? In, in most cases, so uh, you're not around the house all day long. So there's kind of like an edge. If you set it up to do five times a day every day, uh, and you really don't pay attention to how much it's feeding, uh, you're more than likely going to have a nutrient problem. So. They're super awesome, they're convenient, they make sure more that your fish are actually fed on time because we're not worried about whether or not like it was a busy day or yeah. busy morning or whatnot. They're a great, great, great tool. But you know, pick up a phosphate test kit or a checker and a, a nitrate uh, uh, test kit so that you know that you're not overdoing it and like acting on this intelligently. All right. Uh, last one up here is oh. Clayton who says, can all fish live on copepods? I think mm. uh, if it's not their natural diet, then they're probably not going to live on it. Like the herbivores out there, your tangs, mm -hmm. uh, not natural predators to copepods. I would say the only fish that I know that feeds on, or not the only fish, but the main ones, like a mandarin. Like, like dragonets yep. and things like that, yeah. And they're like pecking all day long. So you can just watch their behavior and see whether or not an organism's capable of surviving mm. on things. Like, you know, you can watch the, the a tangs feeding on algae all day long. And they probably need more than that unless you've got lots of algae. Yeah. Uh, but like, uh, when some people say copepods, they also mean amphipods and stuff. Mm -hmm. But just watch the fish's behavior. The, I've seen systems where people don't really put much food in. They seem to be kind of self-sustaining. You know, the fish poo uh, feeds uh, copepods, feed amphipods, feed whatever, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, those tend to be tanks that have been up for like 10 years. And there's also tend to be like an attrition of animals in there. Like the only ones left are the ones that survived that process, right. you know, and they have that. Mm -hmm. uh, but I will say, like people say that mandarins are hard. Uh, in an established tank, I'll say that's the easiest tank because that's the only fish. If I stop feeding, we'll be alive in a year, <laughs> right? I can do nothing. That thing is just going to survive, right? So if you set it up for success, it's actually, and you care about its diet, uh, it'd actually be the only one that's around forever. So yep. uh, it's interesting. So next week, this one's going to be fun. Uh, and uh, this one's going to poke the bear a little bit too, I, I think. I, yeah. It's going to be interesting. So we're going to pose the question on the community, in the community post uh, on YouTube. And you can probably find that just in your regular, uh, in your regular feed if you have videos and posts clicked on there. Uh, otherwise, if you're on Aspirus TV Facebook group, uh, we're also going to have the uh, post there. You can comment on both of them. But the question that we're going to ask next week is... Which one? Hydra 64 hmm. versus G5 Radeon. Oh, man. All right. So I know all of you guys got opinions, right? <laughs> like, which one of these things? One's obviously cheaper than the other one. One's brand new. Yeah. We just released all of the information, par charts, and all this stuff. And people ask all the time, like, so uh, Hydra versus Radeon, we're going to, uh, like, uh, I actually called them up and I'm like, are you guys okay, man? Yeah. Like, uh, I'm like, he's like, dude, just be honest. Yeah. And so that's what we're going to do. And uh, we're going to talk about which one of these things are what right tool for right, uh, the right job. And, you know, hear what you guys are saying, share all of your thoughts, the community really uh, kind of uncover it. Again, Facebook group, super easy, hashtag TV. In the comments, it's actually if you hit the channels page and then hit the community tab. We put polls up there mm -hmm. and all kinds of other stuff so you can see that all the time. So we'll see you next week. And I think uh, like we'll point to here and you can probably go see uh, one of these two links. We'll tell you, you can go answer the question. There you go.